I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. It's Andy's girls. Um, it's episode 115. I am on my deathbed. I'm literally in PJs um, on my bed. I just turned off the AC uh, so that you guys would have crystal clear, crisp and clean audio for this, possibly the series finale of Andy's girls if I do in fact die uh, from not having AC in the background. Um, guys, it's Andy's girls. I've decided this is an SG of the AG special episode because a listener sent me that title and I was really into it. So kudos to you. Um, so listen, it's not going to be a full episode this week because I am dying. It's a thousand degrees in New York City, but I am pulling my life together because I needed <laughs> to talk to you about everything that's been happening in the world of housewives. So I actually just rewatched Potomac for like the 16th time. And I feel like there's a lot to say. Here's the thing is that the last couple weeks of AG, I have enjoyed it. You know, great, great guests. But people that don't watch Potomac consistently and, you know, we, we just need to talk about it because I feel like there is so much 
going on in DC plus six miles or whatever the hell. And I just, we need to talk about it. First off, there's a lot that's been happening on the interwebs relating to um, this blessed franchise. Uh, For example, Katie said some shit about Ashley on Instagram and then Ashley responded on Twitter. So Katie said... I just watched a video on Bravo TV. I guess it was one of the after shows, after show breakdowns on RHOP. And um, anyway, Ashley Darby was sitting there, feet up, talking shit about my magnificent property, Sunny Hill Farm. A property, by the way, that I bought at 27 years old for a million dollars with my own hard-earned modeling money, none of which involved banging an 80-year-old. I've kept my mouth shut about her, but honestly, how can a woman who grew up in squalor, okay, um, literally grew up on welfare and being kicked out of homes all her life, as Ashley Darby has said was her story, I think that her crown fits well enough to talk shit about me and mine. I'm all for people having a comeuppance, but don't front like you are something that you are not. The abusive digs at other women just to cover for sexual misbehavior from your husband, the nastiness, the running for cover using a pregnancy to shield yourself is not cool. Ew. People who know how vicious her mouth and behavior are, no, it's not cool. Watch your mouth, girl. Okay, so, uh, and it's hashtag Katie Ross, hashtag the Katie factor, hashtag Ari Chofi. Oh my God, I think... I need to start using the Katie factor. Okay, there's a lot there. There's some like money shaming. There's nothing wrong with um, needing um, some support. So I don't know. I guess she's saying, I don't know, fronting like she didn't come up with. I don't know what the fuck Katie's talking about, which feels consistent for Katie. But there's been a whole back and forth because there have been some after show um, blogs that have popped up in the last couple of weeks where on, you know, Bravo's YouTube and on their um, website where Katie has referenced the fact that like, how can these people, how dare they talk about me when they have like their own shit going on, which I mean, isn't that the purpose of this show? Ashley understood it all this time until... Michael started assaulting people. I don't know. Ashley then got on Twitter and said, hello, my friends. This motherhood journey is the best feeling in the entire world. I've stepped out of my peace bubble to say I will spare no one at this reunion. Mail order cooch Katie and hamster face Candace will hear what I have to say then. Peace sign. Hashtag RHOP. Ah, there's so much going on with these women. And I have to say, I'm appreciative of the fact that at least it's not just online drama. Like this is just bonus crap on top of sublime episodes from one of the, I've seen a lot of people talking about this um, season's Potomac and saying it rivals like genuinely New York and, you know, A++ gold standard franchises. And I a thousand percent agree. Um, It's been interesting to watch the Ashley and Michael Darby situation happen because obviously it's not like this is 
new behavior. And for better or worse, I'm going to skip to the worse. It's sort of signs that all is not well. I mean, it's so fascinating to me when you think about the timeline. Obviously, this happened allegedly. I mean, we know what happened. Obviously, this allegedly happened um, while they were shooting, which means to me, obviously, Michael has been stepping up like how low he can go. I'm guessing he was drinking because that seems to be when his like impulses to act in a way that he, I guess, really secretly wants to comes up. But it's so interesting to me that he is a man who's very interested in crossing lines when he has not an ounce of consent, something that Karen referenced this week. And it's interesting to me that he did it in a way that was almost self-sabotaging his wife's job. Like, I don't know. There are a lot of people and men that Michael probably finds attractive in this world. Like, he looked at the cameraman and was like, here we go. I mean, not to say that he thought this out, which sort of makes it worse, But subconsciously, don't you think that there's a little bit of that going on where he's like self-sabotaging Ashley's job and passion? And P.S., when all of this was happening, Ashley wasn't pregnant. I mean, she was talking about wanting to get pregnant. That kicked off everything with Candace. So Ashley decided to continue trying to get pregnant with a man who was accused of sexual assault against a member of her crew for this show? What? How is that working? Like, what's going on? It's shocking to me. So I decided I needed to look up the charging documents from the District Court of Maryland because I'm a crazy person. It's something that they like showed very, very quickly. And I had seen one page from the cameraman, Orville Palmer, who, P.S., I looked up on Instagram, and I don't know if this is the same guy, but if it is, his Instagram, it's a private, and so I couldn't, like, see the um, pics, but his Instagram bio was straight, <laughs> which, oh, God, help us. So anyway, so I had only seen one page of the charging documents, but I... um you know, just like looking at stuff and what they showed um, this past week is a quick little um, screenshot. So I wanted to look at all of them because I'm a crazy person. So it happened on um, the filing documents. He's describing defendant's description, bald, blue eyes, light complexion, other. It says he wrote glasses and Australian accent for how this person physically looks. Um, anyway, so this is in his own writing, the the um, accuser's writing, Orville's writing. He says, on or about September 1, I think that's his, at, but it's Monique's address, so you it's blacked out. In Potomac, Maryland, uh, he, se- sexual assaulted complaint me at approximately 5.45 p.m. I was operating the camera filming for the TV show Real Housewives of Potomac. As I walked out to the pool patio area, Michael Darby grabbed and groped my butt several times. As I turned around, he smiled and gave me a flirtatious look. And then 
when on the page, it's like application for statement of charges, continue, blah, blah, blah. And it said, since I was holding the camera, I placed the camera on the pool patio floor. Respectfully, I told defendant Michael Darby to not touch my butt. After talking with Michael Darby, I told my supervisor on duty about the sexual assault by Michael Darby uh, toward me. Christ. I mean, allegedly this has happened before by the same cameraman. He said that he said in something else that he this this had happened like a few weeks prior. Plus, Ashley references at one point that she thought the timing of this was suspicious because the women were bringing up the comments that he had made toward Juan. We all essentially know this is about Juan, about like I would suck his dick or sausage or whatever the fuck it was, his, you know, genitalia. Um, you know, uh, semantics. Um, so Ashley was upset and almost paranoid, uh, or at least she was trying to argue that this came up in around the same timeline as the conversation about, oh, Michael did this, uh, saying these suggestive sexual comments about the cameraman, about, um, about Juan, and Ashley's theory is like, oh, this whole other thing is only happening because they know of this one situation. And so it's happening so closely together because they're like trying to bury Michael, a.k.a. me. And my response to that is, I understand why you might feel that way. But ultimately, don't we believe him? I mean, and by him, I mean the cameraman, like, he's not going to lie about this. And it's not like he's like hunting for money or something else. But P.S. If he did sue in like civil court for some sort of damages, I think he has every right. He's the, he's the victim in this situation. And why would a cameraman make that kind of accusation when he's working for a production company, you know, hired by Bravo, surrounded by a crew of other people? Like, it's not just like, oh, you grab my butt, whatever. That is sexual assault. And he had to go to his supervisor because they're union and, you know, they have all the rules that they have to follow. And I'm sure there had to be an incident report. It's just such a weird thing to me that Ashley, at least on the outside, is so cold and so like, oh, this isn't a big deal, whatever, we're going through it. When this is like really consistent behavior that her husband is doing and it seems like it's getting heightened and for her to say oh I knew all about it it's like then you need to be responding to to these women in a different way because being very cold and saying we can't talk about it because it's not my story or it's a legal matter blah 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 well you know the Black Bill Gates IRS issues were also a legal matter Um, someone's divorce, i.e. Robin and Juan in their bankruptcy, when you were saying they only had X number of dollars in their checking account, that's a legal order. I mean, Ashley has talked about Juan cheating. She's talked about Monique drunk driving, which is also a legal uh, matter. She's talked about Karen um, cheating. She's talked about the Black Bill Gates IRS, IRS issues. She's had no problem discussing these things on camera as by the way is her job through being on the Real Housewives of Potomac and now for some reason she's like I'm going to shut this down because it's not my story 
it's dumb. I'm going to laugh it off. I'm going to get very cold and very unemotional about something that is a very heightened, very emotional matter. And she's applying all of the stress and anger that she's feeling probably toward her husband instead on Candace and Robin. Now, I'm not going to say that Candace doesn't deserve it because she is a sociopath, but it's just so interesting to me that a woman that has gone out of her way to be the bone collector in Potomac is suddenly, I don't know, pretending that she's almost like the upper crust. Like it's, it's just such an abnormal, unnatural behavior choice that she's making that I don't think I've ever seen on Ashley, which is why it's all the more peculiar to watch it play out. And then again, as I was just saying a second ago, for her to be going through all of this behind the scenes, having to decide how she's going to handle this on camera, Michael as soon as this incident was reported, was suspended from filming. So he's not showing up to the fucking hoedown, no matter what Katie says. Um, I wonder what he's telling her to say on camera and how to address it. And they still are trying to get pregnant. Like, what is happening? Why did she decide that she really desperately needed to have this baby? It is so strange to me. So then she has the baby, like literally the day that this whole bullshit happens with like the crazy last couple episodes, which have been magnificent. And then it's like, okay, you're, you're having the baby, you're in a glow, perfect timing. The best Mother's Day gift that child will ever give you is being born on this week on this day. But where do we go from here? I mean, it's amazing that she's calling these other women terrible things and is saying like I'll see you at the reunion like thank god god bless not since Bethany Frankel showed up like three days after giving birth or whatever the fuck she'd done has someone you know given birth and shown up to the reunion to film so quickly I can imagine that her emotions are going to be even more heightened but it was just it's just been so strange to watch her reaction but then you have to think about it and it's like well what is the right reaction if your husband is being accused of several instances of behavior where he is the aggressor against people none of whom are giving him consent whether they were at that like Bethany Beach or whatever the fuck it was the first season where he was being flirted with people to the stuff with Juan to him checking out that guy with the big muscles to saying he wants to suck Juan's dick to you know, sexually assaulting a member of the crew. Like this isn't a great pattern. So Ashley's way to think about it is like, it's a conspiracy against me when really it might be a conspiracy, but I think it's your husband against your marriage. Like, are we going to have a real conversation about this? Because I think not that it deserves like an Andy Cohen, Oprah style one-on-one, but I would like to see there be some sort of openness from Ashley, probably more than I would for other housewives, just because she has made that her brand, that she's like the shitster. She's someone like, you know, stirring the pot, which she made a joke about this week. Um, She is that person. So now there's these crazy things that are happening to her. And I get from a very temporary perspective 
legal perspective, you don't want to discuss it. But if she said the charges were dropped right away, it's no big deal, it's no big deal, then there's nothing stopping you from talking about it. Like these women on these TV shows use, oh, it's a legal issue, blah, 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 which is why Dorit is never going to be open about the shit that she's going through in Beverly Hills with PK and the fact that they have zero dollars to their name. Like they are constantly transferring $25 from their savings to the checking account to get it like just above the point where they're going to get charged extra fees. Like there is nothing happening that's legit and above board in their household financial or otherwise um none of which they own um and I just look at Ashley and I'm like isn't that like a slightly but it's something that all of these women do where shit happens that is too real for reality tv and they all say they can't talk about it because of some bullshit and then when the time passes where it's no longer a legal issue, they just choose not to. So they just use that as their defense. I thought it was fascinating. I think that Monique was the MVP of Potomac this week and maybe this season. I don't know what the fuck has happened to her, but she is now the mother Teresa of Real Housewives of Potomac. I thought the shit she was saying to Candace, which was like, you know, you can't constantly talk about your mother and talk to us and then not think of any kind of response being appropriate. Like if you are, if you want to have a friend in your life, a whole purpose of that friendship is understanding that that person is also, you know, spoiler alert, a person who has thoughts and feelings and is going to try to help you. Candace hears critique and she hears it in a way where she immediately thinks they are trying to bury her. And so she acts out immediately. And I would think that that's really self-destructive behavior. And she talks about not liking the energy around her, but it's the energy that she's emanating that other people are sort of refusing to receive. If I was Chris, it's like whose marriage is going to last longer, Ashley and Michael's or Chris and Candace's? I don't know. I think it's a really close race to a very quick finish because... My God. I mean, I super underestimated Chris when I first met him and hearing his story. And I don't know, he looks kind of weird. I was like, what's the deal with this like weird chef cook person? And then it turns out, wow, he can actually cook great food. And P.S. He might be like way, way better than Candace will ever be and more than she'll ever deserve. I mean, the fact that he was trying to be open with her and saying, you know, the irony here of you talking about how your mother diminishes you is that. I feel that way too. And Candace's response, which is like breathing fire and hugely diminishing him, is something to see on camera. And she doesn't seem to be the type to like learn any lessons from reality TV. I think she's just going to dig in her heels as hard as she possibly can until the bottom falls out. And her mother is like that times a thousand. If you go to her mother's Instagram page, it's like the diva Dorothy or something. There are three listeners or three viewers <laughs> that like comment on her posts and they're like, I can't believe your daughter's that disrespectful to you, which is like what? Like when your mom hits you, you just take it and smile. Like what the fuck does that mean? Um, and her response is like, thanks. She's getting better. What? That relationship is a house of horrors and it is a house her mother has fully paid for. It is shocking to me. And so watching Candace carry the lessons she refuses to learn that she's trying to impart on her mother, but not, you know, her heart and soul is shocking and extremely entertaining. I mean, it's like it's not easy to watch those scenes with her and Chris and her just exploding on everyone because, you know, at the end of the day, here's the thing is like, I don't actually think Candace is heightening anything for TV. I think she really does go from zero to 100. And by 100, I mean like 100,000. And 
it's just, I mean, it's just fascinating. She was a great addition to the cast. When you talk about generational problems on, I guess you could say Beverly Hills. You can't really say that on Dallas. Maybe on Jersey a little bit during certain seasons. And, you know, on New York, if you want to give Tinsley a play date. Um, that is, it's actually absolutely not a problem on Potomac. It just goes to show you how impeccably this cast has been put together. And the fact that each week it's like there's an A plot, B plot, C plot, and D plot. Like you can never run out of things to say about Potomac, which is what I appreciate the most about it. And I have a satchel of gold from Renee in Auckland, New Zealand, And he says, a question for you, Sarah, who's worse, Candace's mom or Daniel's dob? (laughs) Which, oh my God, I mulled the question over and wondered what your take would be. I haven't seen much New Jersey until Teresa checks in. Oh my God, sidebar, such a bad um, special. Only the big fights on YouTube. You often mention Danielle bringing a gun. And I decided after giving some thought that at least Danielle appears to love her daughters. I'm looking forward to hearing what you and your guest think. Well, um, spoiler alert, my guest is just one of my alternate personalities today because it's 9000 degrees here in New York City. Um, so Renee from Auckland, New Zealand, who's worse, Candace's mom or Danielle Staub? I think they're different. F- I think they're both horrible people for different reasons. I think that Danielle Staub has like a heart made from black acrylic and I don't know, it beats in Sopranos episodes or something like she's, I think that Danielle is definitely a monster and I think Candace's mom is too. Danielle takes the victimization route and she just also plays a part of being such an aggressor and taking things to the next level from like a production perspective, from the shit she allegedly said about Dina Manzo, which is a whole other conversation, to, as you reference, bringing an armed guard to filming and getting physically violent, which happens this um, upcoming season with Margaret. I don't find her entertaining. I find her dangerous. And I think Candace's mom her, you know, ice cream flavor of the day is emotional abuse over physical. And I think she's extremely emotionally manipulative. I think, you know, her saying to Candace, don't bring up like any of the real shit, like when they were starting to do therapy and getting upset when Candace brought up the fact that her mom had like physically hit her um, at a recent wedding and then Candace using that same kind of emotion to get really upset upset about the fact that anyone was talking about her serious significant issues with her mother on camera I think that Candace her mom and their family are an incredibly have incredibly toxic dynamics and I would think that part of the toxicity is the fact that they can only really focus on the negatives of like the other family member and not themselves. Like they have no ability to look inside. And with Danielle, I just don't think there's anything there. Like, I just think that Danielle is like a bad person. I just do. I Like at the end of the day, I think she's like deep and dark and dangerous, like deep in like 
there's like it's layers upon layers upon layers upon layers and I think that Candace and her mom are just going to be like a future textbook or something that maybe someone should read at the school that Candace's mom allegedly graduated from if she is somehow a therapist which I continue to believe is a complete lie I'm gonna go with Danielle Staub I'm gonna you know I think she's um I think she's the crib keeper. I don't know. That's what I told Margaret. And she's the crib keeper of um, Franklin Lakes. Um, and the fact that Danielle loves her daughters, I mean, I don't know. Isn't that like mandatory? It's not really like, I think that Candace's mom probably lo- loves her daughter too. It's just that her idea of love is completely warped. And Danielle probably feels that way about her kids too. Like the fact that I still can't get over remember that sweet 16 or 15 or I don't know, 27 or whatever birthday that her daughter Christine had several seasons ago. And Danielle kept talking about like how amazing it was that Christine didn't want any gifts. She just wanted people to like show up and give a donation to some fucking probably fantastic charity, but like a worthy charity, whatever, and not bring a gift. And the fact was Danielle did that or had Christine do that so that she could get vendors to donate their services to that fucking party that was shown on camera. Like she wanted to get free hair and makeup. She wanted to get a free venue, blah, blah, blah. And she was able to do that by saying it was essentially a charitable event, but it was really her daughter's birthday. Like it's that kind of shit that just drives me fucking insane. So when you talk about her love, it's like, yeah, she loves her kids, but she also loves like what they can do for her. And also who cares about what the fuck love means to Danielle Staub. Love means never having to say you're sorry. And I'm never going to have to, I'm never <laughs> going to say I'm sorry for absolutely hating her. Um, so I feel like that is Potomac in a nutshell. I do have to say shout out to their editors for the five seconds ago, um, little timestamp. And the fact that it sounded to me like they used the music from Annihilation. <laughs> they did that boom. That was like the music boom of like two days later. And I just got a flashback to Natalie Portman turning into like rainbow colored fluid or whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I thought it was a really, really strong episode in several weeks of strong episodes and I think tonight's episode if you're listening to this um, when I put it up this it's it's Sunday actually I think Potomac has just begun um I'm sure that tonight's episode will be even better and I can't wait to talk about that in a couple days on AG 116 so um P.S. I have there's news about Kenya and Atlanta And Kenya's back. It's been announced. It's fantastic. Nini is probably fucking terrified. Um, And I got a satchel from Brandon in New Jersey that I just want to talk about. He says, okay, weird analogy, but I've always considered Kenya Moore to be the Kristen Cavallari of Atlanta, or even like the Val Malone, a la 90210, spoiler alert, I didn't watch the later seasons of the show, because she has always been an interesting villain with star power that has dominated the narrative over the previous stars of the show, most notably Nini. So glad producers realized getting rid of her was a mistake and are bringing her back for this new season. At the same time, I'm really hoping we aren't having another season of her filming without her husband. The storyline of is she, is she not married um, was never as interesting as producers thought it was, in my opinion. And I can imagine a storyline for the season being all the women questioning whether her husband is really there for her or not because he lives in New York and she's in Atlanta with the baby. 
So in answer to that, um, great timing there because Andy went on Wendy Williams' show for the first time in six years because she's now getting divorced from her hot mess of a husband who was also her former producer on her show until um, he got fired when he had a baby with another woman. Um, So Andy was back for the first time in six years and uh, Wendy Williams asked him about that. She did say, um, you know, like what is going on with Kenya and will we see... um, her husband and he said yes and I don't think the producers ever thought it was interesting of is she is she not married I think producers were frankly frustrated with her for getting married off camera without telling anyone so I think that they were kind of like grasping at straws and doing what they could with what they had sort of similar to what's going on in Beverly Hills um, this season. It's not like production wanted to talk about this fucking dog mess for 150 hours every week. It's just that they had nothing else to work with. So when we talk about, you know, production being a hot mess, I mean, I think that there are grievances we can have against these shows and the producers for these shows for really weak seasons. But I also think that similar to with LVP and her storyline or lack thereof, there is also responsibility and accountability that needs to be applied to these women. If they're withholding either their time from being on camera or what's happening to them in real life, then yeah, there's a problem with that. And it's especially frustrating with someone like Kenya, who has made a point for the last several seasons, you know, even starting with like Walter, whom allegedly she like subcontracted or hired from TaskRabbit or something to play the part of her boyfriend, hopeful um, fiance, followed by that guy that was violent, followed by other people or whatever, and some dumb random um, Nigerian prince who we never saw. Um she has made a point of being like, I want my happily ever after. I want my baby. I want my family. I want my life. And then she finds a guy and refuses to show us. And I think that that is frustrating for production and that they have to figure out what to do with the rest of a season that they've already hired her for. And then they did what they could. It it wasn't great, or at least it was very confusing. And then they put her in a, a timeout this past season. And I'm glad that she is back. I hope that she learned her lesson. I don't see how she couldn't have because how else was she back? You know, Andy told Wendy that we're going to see Mark Daly on camera. I think that's great. And I mean, for lack of a better term, I guess we'll just watch what happens um, live to tape. I think that, um, I don't know, when you talk about Kenya being the Kristen Cavallari of Atlanta, that I like... I guess I get that. Yeah. Who's LC from um, Atlanta right now? I don't know. Would you think maybe? Oh, I guess um, Candy. I don't know. Um, and I don't know enough about Val Malone. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, but I think that the this upcoming season, what they're shooting now, I think it's going to be good. I am intrigued by the fact that Candy posted a photo the other day of herself with a bunch of the women. I'm assuming filming. Nini wasn't there, but Tanya was. I just assumed they were going to put, send Tanya to the farm that Barbara Kay currently lives on, you know, for the forgotten friends of who don't survive um, more than a one season wonder or maybe like one and a half. Uh, So it's shocking to me that she was there unless she was just like a background player and she got lost on her way to like the SAG room or something. I don't know. It's fascinating to me. I, I, um, 
I, I'm very, very hopeful for this upcoming season of Atlanta. And I'm very, very curious. I, I think that the finale was so, so explosive. And this was kind of the only thing that producers could do if they wanted 51 slash 52 cent to return. Because Nini was like, absolutely not like she I'm absolutely not going to record with these people ever again so they had to bring someone back who could potentially be a bridge or at the least was a huge ally to um Candy and Cynthia and that is her holiness um Miss America just kidding Kenya Moore so I'm curious to see what will happen okay let's talk a little bit about New York um and by we I mean me and um a couple thousand listeners and me just like shouting into the ether um so Carol (laughs) bless her, said, had an interview with Jenny McCarthy, who P.S. I think I've said this before, but Jenny McCarthy, I know that she's like kind of dumb or whatever. She, I actually really enjoy her housewife interviews. I don't really watch any of the other ones, but I watch them like the YouTube because they do like the full interview. They'll upload it as a video to YouTube. And I really enjoy them because she's, she usually has like her head up the ass of whomever is on um, whoever like comes to her show from a, a Bravo show. So even if I don't think that like she's genuinely personally their number one fan, she's always like deferential and kind and gracious to them, which I get because you want these people to like come back or whatever. But anyway, so Carol was on her show and talked about the fact that she's not IRL friends with Tinsley. And this is something that Carol got mocked for by many people, including myself, when she tried to make that point during the reunion. And the reason I got really annoyed with her during the reunion is because it felt like she was trying to say that as a weapon to use against Bethany, where she's like, you can't sort of, it felt like she was implying like, oh, I'm not great friends with Tinsley. So you can't say that we're ganging up against you. We're just like individual people with thoughts and feelings. And that felt really off to me when the reunion happened. But then um, Carol, maybe Jenny referenced it and Carol responded. I don't remember how it came up in their conversation, but Carol made that point and sort of expanded on it and said, essentially, here's the deal with my friendship with Tinsley. When Tinsley joined the cast, nobody wanted to film with her. So production sort of made me. So we had to film together. Meanwhile, Adam and Coupon Cabin were actual friends. So when Adam set up Coupon Cabin with Tinsley, because these two guys were genuine friends, good friends, whatever, the women were not like forced to socialize, but the women were socializing with each other. Not because Carol was calling up Tins and being like, let's go get a coffee and go for a stroll, but because their respective significant others had a genuine friendship and the women kind of went along for it which is why they were able to travel and go to trips and they went to Spain and I don't know, Florida, (laughs) fun international cities and countries Um, uh, and states. Um, (laughs) The heat is getting to me. Um, I'm very clammy. Um, So (laughs) I think that from the outside, like Bethany tried to bury Carol back when she's like, oh, what about when you went to here and when you went to here and when you went to here and you went to here? And Carol's response on Jenny McCarthy was essentially saying like, yeah, and then, you know, Adam and I are no longer, Tinsley and Coupon Cabin are no longer, and guess what? I haven't spoken to her since production wrapped. So it's like, I actually kind of get that now more than I did before. And I don't know if that was the fault of Carol or the editors. I I tend to think Carol with this situation. 
because um, I think Carol's also sort of flustered during the last reunion. She was like, I think she was probably so angry at Bethany and felt like she is a journalist and was like doing her work. Um, but she she's not she's I'm sure it has been a perfectly fine, great journalist, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But she seems to get confused when it comes to other forms of media, i.e. reality TV. And she just didn't know how to play the game, I think, as well as Bethany ultimately did. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, I thought that the reunion, the reunion to me, honestly, has been fine for New York. I don't have any complaints. I think it's not like a hot and crazy reunion, but that's because this season hasn't been like completely insane. There have been some like crazy moments, but overall it's been kind of up and down. And so the reunion is to me completely fine, but, and it's probably honestly something that I will rewatch, you know, in the future, just because I know it's like, it's like one of those reunions that you can have in the background and it's like, you think it's entertaining and it's probably entertaining and it's perfectly fine, but it's not going to be in anyone's top anything. Um, I thought that there were moments that were, I don't know, kind of, I mean, I hate to use the word interesting 30 times, but here I go. Um, it was fascinating to me to watch Bethany seemingly seriously hold back laughter when Tinsley's talking about the death of her dog. And we all know as followers of America's Favorite Skinny Girl that when Cookie was dying, Bethany did like a full day, it seemed, of genuinely hysterical sobbing where she's asking complete strangers who are followers of hers on social media what to do and then showing Cookie like having a seizure. So then to laugh about Tinsley calling 911, I mean, first off, I genuinely didn't know that was something you could do for a dog. But then like, actually, you see those random videos of firefighters um, giving CPR to like kittens or whatever. So I guess it is possible. Um, But it was interesting to me that in no way did Bethany just deepen her soul as a reflex think, oh, pain, that's something that I have a little bit of experience in. Oh, pain about an animal. Oh, you know what? That actually did happen to me uh, relatively recently. Oh, this could be a fun bonding moment. Instead, she's like, oh, my God, let's just try not to laugh. And I do understand the laughing when it comes to like the freezing dog stuff, because that was genuinely so awkward and so odd. But... I mean, I I wish for Bethany's sake that she was able to, like, feel a little bit of compassion, but she wasn't. And it was actually kind of entertaining, the fact that she wasn't. I'm so sorry. Um, speaking of Bethany, saying that Tinsley sets women back 100 years regarding female empowerment when Bethany has made her tens of millions of dollars on a company called Skinny Girl in has produced items including skinny girl jeans and skinny girl lotion for kids. Literally, that is a thing that is available online that she has shown in her social media. And she's talking about Tinsley sending people back because she was like a debutante. That was so strange to me. And, you know, I'm I'm from the East. Um, I'm a northerner. And I wasn't a debutante because that's not a thing we do. And I probably 
I don't know, I was more interested in like reading a book and having soup or something in the afternoon than like going to a debutante ball and practicing dancing or whatever the fuck. But I think that is actually something that people do in the South and it's a part of culture for many people. And I don't think that A, that is something that we really have the right to critique um, if we don't fully understand it. And the fact that that alone is potentially setting women back 100 years or Tinsley's financial decisions are setting women back 100 years, it's like, I don't think it's setting anyone back but Tinsley. I think that ultimately Tinsley might be setting back Tinsley. And that's an argument you could make. But I don't think that Tinsley is actually responsible for the downfall of all of this because at one point she was incredibly successful as you know a socialite but she was incredibly successful and it was during that time that Bethany was like looking to be on reality tv and like celebrity apprentice or whatever I don't know if those dates actually add up but um it Tinsley was a trend center a trendsetter in certain ways and was successful in you know the world of celebrity which all of these women are pining to be because you know, they're on a reality TV show um, that's focused a lot on fortune. So I don't know. I don't think she's setting anybody back for herself. And I think that she's actually accomplished stuff then, even though I absolutely fervently do not believe that she, this whole financial thing, I thought it was interesting to me that her monthly stipend, money, check, whatever was lowered after she got arrested. I do believe that. But I think everyone is in disbelief about the fact that this could be family money alone. I really do. I don't, I don't understand paying $50,000 a month, um, for that hotel room unless it, and truly she was living elsewhere when she wasn't filming. Anyway, I think it's crazy. Um, and I wonder how much Tinsley is genuinely making a season of this show because it's fascinating. Speaking of fascinating, Luann saying she doesn't want to burden the women by asking them, not to drink on camera, and then saying they're selfish by drinking on camera. I don't know. Lou's never going to get it. Lou came out with an IV line (laughs) this week for if you're like feeling Giovanni. It's literally called like feeling Giovanni IV or something for people to have. I don't know. Is that for wellness? I would think an IV that's not related to like an illness is if you're drunk and need to get hydrated. What the fuck is she doing? Also, it's so interesting to me that Bethany has gotten so successful for creating the line, hashtag female empowerment, um, mention it all, uh, for creating a line called Skinny Girl, which is something that she created and made up. And Lou is just riding this Giovanni train as far and long as she can. And I don't remember if it's the New York Times or the Washington Post, but somebody made an article um, the other day talking about like Giovanni and branding and how that works on camera. And somebody somewhere in the article said that from like a PR perspective, what has happened on Housewives of New York for Giovanni adds up like to like, I don't know, using the metrics that they studied to like two and a half million dollars of free advertising. So that's why they're not annoyed that Luann constantly references the line. And it's just so interesting to me that Lou is using Giovanni to continue this like joke, humor, whatever on tour with um, uh, clothing, apparel, with that jacket, with the song, with the video. And she doesn't actually own that name. Like ultimately, she's just bringing more and more awareness 
for a company that's really making the money. I mean, obviously, she has her cabaret tour, but it's just so fascinating to me that the person she's doing favors for ultimately isn't really herself or it's not fully completely herself. It's herself, but also in deference to this other clothing company who's, you know, selling the $400 dresses and the sparkles and the sequins and the whatever. It's fascinating to me. I don't know. Luann, poor, sweet Luann saying she's not an alcoholic. This is what's going to happen. She even like was backtracking the fact that she's, she doesn't, she can't say she's an alcoholic because she doesn't think she's an alcoholic. Like she's not drinking because she's going to get fucking arrested if she drinks again. But the clock is ticking and August is going to be here before you know it. And her probation's going to be over. And then you know that next season on camera, she's going to slowly start sipping some sweet, sweet wine once again and saying, I can do it conservatively or whatever. And then P.S. when she acts out again, how's that going to be different from any of her other co-stars, I think the difference is that she adds, because of whatever, she has this element of mania when she acts out and it feeds into whatever else is going on. And that's when she gets a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And, you know, this happened when they weren't filming. Like this whole thing of her needing to go to rehab the second time, there was no camera crew around. So, yeah, it's not, it's not great. I mean, it's not great. I don't think she's taking she, her Luann saying essentially the fact that people are incorrect for implying or in the courts are incorrect for implying that she doesn't take all of this seriously. And that's actually like an accounting error or paperwork problem that needs to be resolved. I don't think it's a paperwork problem. I think it's a Luann problem. And I, I guess we'll see what happens you know, next season, do I think she's going to get her shit together for this? I mean, why now? I have no idea. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to work out. Meanwhile, I thought this was going to be a mini episode. I'm saying <laughs> to myself out loud, but there really was a lot of shit for us to talk about. And I guess before I say goodbye, it is literally now nine million and five degrees and I am drenched, drenched in anger about Beverly Hills. I guess we should talk about Beverly Hills. Um, shout out to Ken Dodd, who recently realized he has a Twitter account. He just posted something today in honor of his birthday. Shout out to Ken. Happy 800. Um, he posted some screenshots um, that I'm sure John Sessa wrote and texted him. And Ken realized he no longer had a rotary phone and hopped into his like iPhone series four or something I don't know and um posted this to Twitter and this is what he says yes it's my birthday and normally positive things happen on this day so I would like to get some things off my chest that does that those two sentences do not make sense yes it's my birthday and normally positive things happen today so I'd like to get something but the positive things aren't happening okay anyway um he says it's a year this month that all the negative negativity against my wife started I know I'm not the most eloquent writer yeah um I see and speak speak in simple terms. This year, there has been a huge amount of nastiness that has pushed my wife to the brink when at a time in her life like this, she needed her friends. What really irks me is the hypocrisy of this whole matter. The very public issues, lawsuits, over $50 million of them, loans in, in default, rehab, business misdoings, bankruptcies have all been swept under the carpet. Oops. Uh, uh, lifestyles paid for with other people's money I call bullshit. It disgusts me that the very fact 
that a resolution passed through Congress in an attempt to save thousands of dogs worldwide was brushed aside. Years of our work was ignored as all the focus was on just one dog that is now in a happy home, not biting or pecking or whatever you choose to call it. I'm not asking for anything now, not even the five grand owed to our dog charity, but I am asking for this hatred to stop. I didn't want my wife to go to the reunion as it has been bullying. Yes, I use that word bullying because that is what this nonstop attack has been. It sickened me to see my wife in tears and I'm proud of her even doing the angel food, angel food, um, when she has been so down. Oh, she did like some volunteering thing to now attack her personal hygiene. Is he talking about what Camille said about her teeth? Like many, many episodes ago, what is happening? Disgust me. I could put it out here that my wife's breath is as sweet as, as she is. I'm the one who kisses her daily. I should know. I am angry as it is a vile lie, like so many other things that have been said about her. Attacking our kids' business, Vanderpump Rosé, which we've all worked so hard on, is just mean-spirited. It's in some of the best restaurants in the world. Um, I think it is in one restaurant in Times Square here in New York City, but okay. Their pettiness says everything. There's so many things we could have said but haven't. So it's not just goodbye, Kyle, that, <laughs> that I want to say. It's goodbye to all of the vicious nastiness there. I feel much better now. Happy birthday to me. Okay, um, guys, a couple things that I know I have said before. So let's say it again. First off, shout out to Ken Todd and Lisa Vanderpump for watching season three of Real Housewives of New York and bringing up systematic bullying more than Kelly Cloran Ben Simone, in fact, has done. It is so frustrating to hear them use the word bullying over and over again, when in fact what these women are doing is trying to salvage what's left of their jobs. She walked off set, essentially. She quit production from a signed contract, and now they're saying that these women are culpable for trying to like have something else to do. I mean, she killed this season of the show and you can't both participate in this show for nine seasons or nine seasons or however long it's been and know the job requirements and then try to use those same job requirements against the remaining members of the cast. I think that is completely asinine. And they might, I believe, I genuinely believe that they believe their own bullshit. And that's what's probably so frustrating to me because they're not surrounded by anyone that can actually like be truthful with them and be a friend. Maybe they should, um, you know, become besties with Candace because, and maybe her mom, because there seems to be this complete inability to take criticism or critique and instead feel like that is an attack on a person's character. And sure, the women were um, questioning Lisa's character, but uh, to a certain extent, because guess what? She's done that for years and years um, against Adrian and everybody fucking else. That was what was so great about the first and the what was so great about the first and P.S. only minutes of the show that of this week's reunion that were interesting to me was when Andy showed the flashback because we knew that he was going to show the flashback being like so and so's last act as a reunion is like uh, last act as a housewife is not showing up. But he showed other clips from that same reunion episode from however many years ago where RVP talks about the fact that she thinks that Adrian leaked stories and she thought she, she lied and all this other shit. I mean, it's, it is frustrating to me that so many people seem to buy into this. And if you don't believe that she or her team leaked stories to Radar Online, fine. Like, fine. We're, we're never going to really know. Ultimately, we will never know. But you can't also say 
how dare you as a show participate in bullying this woman when they haven't actually seen her. Nobody is contacting her. Nobody is bullying her. In fact, a lot of what these women are talking about on camera is the fact that LVP is not also on camera. I mean, if you don't, if you're angry about what they said about you, show up to film. But you can't not show up to film and also be like, these people are attacking me. Because P.S. I thought not none of you were watching the show. So how does this work? How is Lisa being bullied without her knowledge? Because she's being bullied because she's reading other DMs that people are sending her online. It doesn't make sense. Okay, I have a satchel of gold from... Lisa in Evansville, Indiana. She says, I just finished watching the Beverly Hills reunion. I was shocked to hear that Teddy had never talked to Lisa um, V directly regarding the setup for the Dorit takedown over Lucy Lucy prior to the VPD meetup. Oh, Vanderpump Dogs meetup. I believe that Lisa was more than likely the mastermind behind it. But I'm wondering now if that does not open the door for some reasonable doubt thoughts. I mean, I don't think it it it. um opens the door for reasonable doubt. I think it just shows how much smarter Lisa is than Teddy. I thought that what Dorit actually said, Dorit's been making a lot of valid points, which is disgusting for me to take in. Hurts my tum more than it normally does on any given Sunday. Um, I think that Lisa's smart. She had her team do the shit. They're all working together. It's like, Lisa might not be walking, watching the show, but she's in the very next room to someone that is. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's smart. She knows what she's doing. It's why she should be on the show because she's very, very good at it and why I'm angry at her for ruining this season for everyone. Um, but does that change anything to me? No. I was happy at Dorit sort of calling out Teddy and being like, so the reason that you were being quote unquote accountable wasn't because you saw the light. It was because you didn't want to be the only person to get in trouble for this. I thought that was a really valid point and kind of like the only one to say the fact that these women <clears throat> are calling Kyle a queen. I mean, Kyle's the queen of her own castle and that castle is next to the agency <laughs> which built that castle, which might be sold if Mauricio gets in more legal trouble. Um, I thought that was weird. I mean, the thing with Kyle is that she, I don't think she's the queen of the show, nor she's, has she ever been. I think she's the o, the last remaining OG. And I think that she is a connector. I mean, she's able to like bridge stuff, but she's not, she's certainly not as good as, L, as strong as LVP is about like being manipulative. And I mean that genuinely as a compliment, like Kyle can't carry the plot. And we saw that in Provence, like she tried. So I don't know, give her one of like, uh, give her like half of an extra diamond or something. Give her one of Portia's like little Girl Scout badges of honor for her to put on her little diamond sash. I mean, it's okay. Like she's there. She's there. It's weird to me that these women after the fact are going on and on on Twitter and everything else about what a queen Kyle is. I wonder if they're trying to do that to band together to come back next season. But Kyle doesn't have that kind of power and she's not, she's just not the queen. She's just, she's, she is to use Carol's favorite expression, what remains. So Kyle is what remains. I, and I think that is a a great title to have. She should put that on her LinkedIn. I, I can't wait to see that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I thought that was kind of, I thought that was kind of it for Beverly Hills. Shout out to Camille for being a mess and letting down her guard, um, her 
guard of um, being pernicious whenever she gets nervous. And like, it's sort of similar to Ashley when Ashley came back to Southern Charm this season and Ashley like tries to be like super nice and sweet. But when she gets rattled, her, her true like black demon comes out. And with Camille, it's the same thing of like when Camille gets rattled, she's like, and then she realizes what she has done, like saying to someone to shut up or whatever it is. And she like tries to calm herself and she's much, much better at camouflaging it than Ashley is. But it's still a sign that St. Camille no longer exists. And thank God, by the way, because if it was just St. Camille, then this um, season would, or second half of the season would have been dead in the water. So um, on that note, I can't wait for the next part of it. <laughs> yes, I can. Guys, I can't believe I did a full episode <laughs> of Andy's Girls in my currently not uh air conditioner not currently on in my bedroom Archie is probably broiled so he'll be on a nice little we'll like sous vide him for next week's episode um it is 150 degrees I am totally I look great (laughs) right now that's all I'm gonna say I look terrific but I really felt like I wanted to connect with you guys because there has been so much um going on in housewifery this week on camera and off. Um, I highly encourage any of you that haven't watched Potomac, honestly, ideally, if you want to catch up, you could ideally start with um, season two. Um, but honestly, even if you just watch this season, it, it you don't really need a ton of the backstory because a lot of it is repetitive. Like Karen will do shady things and doesn't know how to groom herself um Katie's back but you don't really she you know from two seconds of Katie with glasses that don't have lenses in that she's kind of kooky and Ashley's full of shit like you're gonna get you're gonna catch up just naturally because these women are so truly who they are um I just highly encourage that you watch it um because I think it's just really fascinating television. I could talk about it forever and ever. Amen. Um, and amen to all of you guys. I hope this was in some way enjoyable. This was, um, what should we call this week? SG of the AG. Um, oh, Big Little Lies is, uh, is finales tonight. So maybe like Big Little Lies, the Ashley Darby story. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Well, um, we'll work with that. Guys, such a pleasure. Um, If you haven't already left a review for this lovely little show, Andy's Girls, five stars and a 9,000 word story on iTunes. Gratefully appreciate it. If you have any kind of feedback that is not five stars, slide into my DMs. Tweet me at Sarah Galley. Instagram, I do polls and crazy things throughout the day, all day, every day. Uh, Instagram at Dame Galley. And I love to hear from you guys. So please get in touch. Um, And I can't wait to kiki with you again soon. Bye, guys.